Good morning. This is Thursday, December 17th, and I'm Maya Wimala. I was trying to get my... Yeah, there's my squirrel. I don't know why he seems so far away. He's right next to me. Uh, the technical, technical difficulties. So I just thought my little squirrel would be in the picture because I know it gives people a laugh. Today's Thursday, it's the 17th. My goodness, that means we're very close to Christmas. I guess it's next uh, Friday then. I'm not, I'm just guessing. Um, I heard on the, was it a new, somebody talking yesterday that uh, if you're gonna get any Christmas presents, get out and get them now. And probably for sending things too, it's really last minute. I wanted to show you my amaryllis. So, the top one is really coming out in full force. And the little one is, is doing okay. And the middle child is, I don't know, I think there's not much energy for the middle, middle child to make much progress. So I'll tell you, I'll confess to how ignorant I was about uh, flowers, amaryllis anyway. I was showing them to one of my neighbors and um, I was kind of boasting about how mine had four blossoms in the big top one and then four in the little one. And the she, she very kindly told me, yeah, they, that, that's how they always bloom, the four four blossoms come out when they bloom. And I was thinking, I don't know why, because when I look at it now, I can obviously see that. That's the way they're made. But uh, I thought just one big flower came out of each stalk. So I thought I had some kind of uh, miraculous, it was like a Christmas miracle. I had four coming out. So I've never, whenever I gardened and had homes where I did uh, any uh, gardening. It was always with perennials. Anything that was a flower was uh, kind of alien to me, so I always stuck to perennials. So I could tell my neighbor was so kind, thank you, Mary, across the hall, telling me that this is the normal way for amaryllis to bloom. It's still marvelous to me, so none of the none of the joy is lost, but now I, I don't have to be so... Um, I don't have to be living in delusion about the natural growth of an amaryllis. amaryllis. <laughs> so um, it's good. It's it's. This is how we learn, right? So I'm enjoying it. It's beautiful to see something in the in the beginning in the beginning, I guess, of winter here, um, just blooming and doing so well inside. So, last night at Blue Lotus, we had one of our uh, discussions. So Todd and Bhante Badia and I uh, just led a discussion group after a meditation, and Bhante Amita was there. It was so good to see people 
and it felt so much like um, just seeing loved ones. It was just, it, it was, we had a good discussion. We came out, uh, at the end of our discussion, we ended up with such a, a list of things that people can do to to help them with the, the pandemic blues. It seems like a lot of people are really hitting, um, you know, that fatigue of the pandemic. And it, I think especially for people who are working full time, some of us who have more time and who don't have a an office job that we're also trying to do at home, or an essential worker having to get out. Um, some of us are really enjoying all the classes and the opportunities on Zoom, and we're being able to go to classes and do things. A couple of people in the group had actually done, one person had done a 10-day retreat at home uh, on Zoom, and another had done a four-day retreat. And uh, I know many others have done classes and have regular different groups all over the country that we're going to. There's a kind of exciting, uh, so many Dhamma centers are, are, are online now and doing things either Zoom or YouTube or Facebook, well, Facebook and then YouTube, that uh, we, we're just delighting in all those opportunities. But then a few people were talking about, they're, you know, they're working on the computer Sometimes Zoom, sometimes um, just working with data, working with lots of emails that they have to respond to. And so at the end of their workday, whenever that is, um, being on Zoom for another class or something else is probably daunting just physically. You know how your eyes feel at the end of a day or at the end of an evening when you've been on Zoom a lot. Um, so if you're doing a job all day at the computer and then you're trying to tune in to other things to help you out getting through the period and you're, and you're more um, just you and the computer screen all the time, that's not so easy. So in, uh, in, in two groups I was in, people were making suggestions. One from my, the group in Florida with Blue Lotus in Florida and another with the Blue Lotus here in Woodstock. And lots of good ideas people came up with and things that could help even, the, even people who are uh, on the computer all day and then thinking about being on it all evening doing things is kind of, uh, oh, can sound like a burden and I can appreciate that now. But I, I was uh, looking in my folder and I remember back, now this is back in October, which seems a long time ago. And that was, this is from 10% happy, happy, happier. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's two ways of meditating with anxiety. And some of it, some of the qualities in this article were actually talked about, uh, last night in the discussion from people of ways we can deal with this kind of crazy world we're in right now. Crazy, but with hope. Hope with the vaccinations starting to be given. And uh, we know that's a long, slow process, but 
it it is something that is encouraging and gives us hope. But um, I thought some of the very qualities in this article from October, I wanted to go through it with you again. Because people were talking about being impatient and uh, that feeling that they, they've always felt that that wasn't a quality they had a problem with, that people who were very patient were feeling themselves becoming less patient, a little bit more irritable. And those can also be um, signs of anxiety and frustration and anger. And patience is such an important quality because the opposite of patience is often described as being anger. But this talks about some of the methods and their methods that we talked about last night as well. So we're, we're uh, I'll go right to the meat of this. There are two distinct approaches to two distinct approaches to anxiety and man. Let me start all over again. This is two ways of meditating with anxiety, and it's from Ten Percent Happier newsletter. They they do a weekly newsletter, and it's great. There are two distinct approaches to anxiety and mindfulness meditation, and they lead to different kinds of results. The first approach is by far the most common. Meditation helps you calm down. We calm and steady the mind by sustaining the attention on a single anchor, such as the breath or a phrase or mantra or the sensations of the body. Gradually, thoughts begin to thin out and a greater degree of spaciousness is available. The second, perhaps less common way of working with anxiety in meditation actually has more lasting benefits to the practitioner, and that is to look at our experience and learn from it. We still cultivate calm and inner silence, but we use this to prepare for inquiry. For example, looking directly at anxiety, we begin to see its impermanent and impersonal nature. It is just a transitory experience, not me or mine. We see that awareness of anxiety is separate from the experience of anxiety. We see that anxiety is present because of the want or need to control that which is uncontrollable. This kind of wisdom, not passing experiences of calm, is what brings lasting peace and inner freedom. Now, sometimes it's still best to focus on calm. For example, trying to fall asleep at night when anxiety is keeping us awake is usually not the time to look directly at the anxiety. It is usually much better to bring the attention to an object such as the breathing and relax into sleep. But when it is possible to look directly at anxiety, the results can be fruitful and liberating. To try it, think of this process as having three steps. First, to inquire in this way means to open to many experiences. Instead of sustaining attention only on the anchor, 
Instead of isolating the attention on one object, such as the breathing, we broaden the field of awareness to include whatever is happening in the present moment, what is being felt, what is being thought. Simply knowing that a mental state is a mental state. Aha, this is anxiety. Remember, we need to recognize it is a huge leap of consciousness. With this conscious knowing of our experience, we can make different choices in our lives rather than have our actions and thoughts be dictated by our conditioning. The second step is opening, allowing, and accepting whatever is coming up. We accept what is, even if it is difficulty, as anxiety generally is. You can substitute for anxiety something like impatience, irritability, anger, um, worry. We get close to it in order to discern for ourselves what will perpetuate misery and what will bring greater peace. Can I simply be with this? After that, the third step is one of discernment. We look at what has been accepted to see whether it is to be encouraged or let go of. Is it true? Is this helpful or hurtful? In this way, we cultivate an openness to learn from experiences, to bring a sense of curiosity to the experiences that occur in our lives. This seeing is known. This seeing is known as insight, seeing into how things are, so that we can live in harmony instead of in struggle. This kind of insight is beyond intellect. If we just know intellectually, we won't be able to live what we know. To know in our hearts and in our bodies allows us to be in alignment with nature instead. So I think it's very important to realize these are different approaches and they're both taught when we study mindfulness, one is to learn how to cal- be able to calm ourselves, and the other really looking at it, really working with that experience and recognizing the qualities of it and the impermanence of it. And that's a way that we actually have to, instead of calming, we're, we're actually uh, investigating. So that's rousing energy, it's rousing effort. So those are two, but they're two things that are both vitally important. We don't want to rouse that energy to investigate something right when we're trying to go to sleep. But if we're, and uh, the person who was, one person who was talking about it said she, she was getting more, seeing the quality of being a little irritated or impatient. And um, someone mentioned to her that, that that wasn't like her, that they were noticing some quality. And I, I think that's a good friend who would tell tell us that, right? So if if it's even been called to your attention that you're you're not the same as you were, you're a little different, that's a good time to just look at it, to investigate. And is this a good thing? It, sometimes it might be, well, this is a good change, or this is something that, um, you know, maybe I'm not putting up with somebody walking all over me like I used to. But if they're mentioning something that, um, you know, you're not as you're not as uh, kind as you used to be, maybe you're a little irritated, or maybe you're, you know, you're, you're getting uh, pandemic fatigue. 
That's good. That's good to get that input from a noble friend, right? From a good friend. And um, it might help bring it more to our attention or have us be able to just realize, yeah, that is how I feel. I am, I am having difficulty, which is perfectly okay too. So um, think of it with those two different solutions, depending on um, the time and the in the place, you know. And and part of it is this: use it as a teacher. The way we talk about during meditation, if you have even thoughts of being uh, sleepy during meditation. Use that sleepiness, that drowsiness, as a way to to something to investigate. Where does it? Where do you feel it in your body? What does it feel like? What does that heaviness feel like? And just get it. Work with it in the body and investigate that. And it's almost guaranteed to help you wake up. But you may discover certain things about. Maybe I'm always sleepy at this time of day, or. Uh, maybe there's a medication you're taking and you realize I'm always sleepy after I take that medicine. And uh, you can make connections like that to help you with the problem. But you can just experience this is how, this is what is going on in my body right now. It's causing me to resist being able to uh, be, be in a good state for meditation. So, Calming, and then the other is that investigation, that really looking at it, and that's 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 a, a rousing energy. And those are both two parts of meditation. I mean, two parts of mindfulness practice, which is our practice all the time. So, uh, good. It's good to kind of relook at some things and see how we're doing because our mental state is changing through this entire process, and. Um, that was that's a little bit of something I wanted to share with you. And the other, I wanted to tell you too, I got a call from my mom yesterday, and most of you know she's 96 and is in assisted living in Tennessee, just uh, very close to my younger brother. And she said, I wanted to call you and Kelly, that's my younger brother, and you are the two people who, who are the main ones who call me during the day or, or any day. I didn't want to worry you, but they finally let us, we can now get out and walk in the halls and walk in the building and do our walking outside in the hallways. And they have a nice kind of sun porch, sunroom in the center of the building. And so I'm going to be, I'm going to be walking more. I walked some this morning and I'm going to go out and walk some more. And I didn't want you to worry about me because you'd, you might worry about me if I didn't answer my phone. And she, she was excited. That was her excitement. Now she lives in two 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 rooms, a little sitting room and her bedroom. And all of her meals, they don't get to go to the dining room anymore. And all of their meals, they have to eat in their. They don't have kitchens. They don't have a set setup for uh, eating in their little apartments. So it has to be on a tray. And my mom's really blind, so she really can't even see what she's eating. They don't have the company that they always have when they go to the nice dining room that's like a restaurant, and uh, and she's been doing so well. But then they had an outbreak in another building, and uh, there were some employees and some residents in a, I think, in a nursing care building 
who came down with COVID. And so the, they, they even instituted more of a lockdown. They had to stay in their rooms. They couldn't even go out in the halls to walk. Um, and that's been going on for the last two or three weeks. And that was hurting because that walking in the halls is, is very important. You're at least seeing other human beings. So yesterday they let that, that was one of their restrictions that they uh, opened up. And we celebrated that. It was, and she has to use her walker, but she'll be, I'm sure she was scooting around for the rest of the afternoon. And they still have to wear masks and they can't have visitors and they can't have food from anyone outside unless it, unless it comes directly in a bag from a fast food place, I think, or a restaurant. But, um, they've been so strict and, uh, the way my mom has dealt with it all has been amazing and it's hard for her, but she has managed to, you know, she's, Whenever I talk to her, which is every day, she's she's we can share a few jokes. And I was telling the group last night, I can tell I've been very content during the pandemic, but I can tell uh, my impatience is there a little bit because it's very hard for my mom to understand me on the phone. So I feel like I'm yelling and she still can't understand me. And uh, that's a recent that's recent. And I think, uh, I think it's probably because her hearing is just that much worse. And, you know, she's got a lot she's dealing with. So I keep, I keep being patient with it because, uh, it's just frustrating. But that's, that's a sign I can see that's my impatience because I, there's nothing we can do about her hearing. And I've asked everybody I talk to, other people, is it my phone? Is it me? Is it my phone? And I get them to check, tell me if I'm uh, hard to understand. But I'm sure it's just my mom's hearing is going more. So to to be able to celebrate her getting to just walk up and down in the halls and to go in the, around the little circle, the building is built like a spoke, a big wheel, and I knew she was, it was making her feel good and it made me feel good for her. And it was just, uh, mudita, right? I was so happy for her being able to get a little bit more out. And the food's still bad and it's hard for her to even know what she's eating. And things are different than they have been since she, she's been there for over two years. This is her third year, I guess. And things were just so delightful, and you know they they have a, they're short staffed, and um, it's a it's a di it's difficult these days for anyone who has loved ones in assisted living or nursing homes. You know that, but um, we have to cheer up about the little things. So rouse that energy when you uh, joy is rousing energy, and that investigation is rousing energy. So uh, that's what we want to do when we're feeling really overwhelmed. And I know it's happening to everybody. So uh, someone asked when the next book group is. We had a book group this Monday, and the next one is in two weeks. So that would be the 28th, 5.30 to 6.30 Central Time, p.m. 
there were several people who didn't get into the book group. And I think I've, uh, I think I've mentioned this a few times, but probably if you're not, um, you know, if you're, a lot of times anything about Zoom or the technology of stuff is just over our heads, right? But the way Blue Lotus has set it up, if you go to Eventbrite and you can go directly to Eventbrite, this is the easiest way. Go online to eventbrite.com and you put in a search. There's a little search thing for Blue Lotus Temple. And then all of our activities are on that uh, just lined up beautifully, and you're right there at Eventbrite. There's no charge for the book group, but all of our activities, are, are most of them, a lot of them, you have to get that Eventbrite ticket because that is automating the system for us. And then you'll get your link. Usually, well, it's always at least an hour before the event. So what you can do Oh, someone just gave me some advice. Maybe it's the volume button on my mom's phone. Thank you, because she's always pushing the wrong buttons. Okay, thank you. Sorry, back to back to the book group. Go to eventbrite.com. You can see the list of all the events you might want to check out. And so you can press to get your ticket, but there's no charge. Uh, and you have to sign up for each book group. You can't, you don't just get one link and it's good for all of them because our system isn't set up that way. That's uh, set up in Florida with Florida Blue Lotus Meditation Center. That's how it's set up. They have one link. But uh, for different things at Blue Lotus, you get a different link. So uh, Nancy Schwab told me that she went in and she just signed up and got what we call tickets with Eventbrite, tickets for all the upcoming book groups. Now, if you can't go, don't worry about that. But uh, because there's an unlimited number of tickets we could we could have. So you can just sign up for all the ones you can sign up for. And then when it's probably that takes you through, maybe through this year, but then they'll be updated. And so uh, I'll keep reminding people during the book group, then you have to keep getting a ticket for each time. You can't use the previous link. So it do, it takes a second. You press, you get a ticket, and uh, they send you the information. But they but you have to do it for each book group. And the book group is twice a month. It is. Um, it was this week, so it's the second and the fourth Mondays, I think. So my time is up. Meditate on your own today, and please do practice. That's another way we can use our meditation practice. Sometimes we need that that practice to be calming for us. And sometimes we can use our meditation as the time to investigate the um, that emotional state going on. So if you're talking to someone and you feel irritated or you feel impatient, you can um, give yourself a time out and sit with that. Or if your regular meditation time, you haven't had it for the day or it's coming up and you have a certain time, you know, it's good sometimes if you're lucky enough to just be able to sit and deal with it then. But when you meditate that day, 
let that be something you investigate. If it's fresh on your mind or if you're still having that feeling, you can remember rain, recognize, accept, investigate, and then come back and nurture yourself. Don't stay with that difficult emotion. So remember, do that. Remember and look at the impermanence of the experience. And that's true. Someone mentioned it's this whole pandemic is impermanent. It feels like a long time, but it's just another, it's just like a storm cloud passing through our minds. But it is impermanent. And so we can use it as a teacher while it's here. And uh, that kind of inquiry into what are we learning about ourselves? What are we learning about this world? What are we learning about the importance to us of our good friends, of our families, of our teachers, of the teachings that we're, what teachings have we been drawn to, strongly drawn to? What have we learned from? Um, we have so many teachers just in this kind of isolation that we're in. And we are experiencing now that surge from being together with people on Thanksgiving. So we know that that's created like a third surge. So please be careful for Christmas. Please rethink any, um, if you have plans for activities where there'll be people gathered who are not literally in your bubble. Um, please rethink those. Just if you're with people and you're eating and drinking and want to talk a lot, you know you're not going to, those masks aren't going to stay on. They're going to be so many times when you're, when you're eating and talking at, at a table with each other. Uh, just, it's, it's a, this is going to be a good Christmas to have a different sort of Christmas for most of us. And we may not be with our loved ones. Um, I'm not going to be with my kids and it's, it's really, uh, wow, it's, uh, we weren't together at Thanksgiving either, but, uh, and I'm not going to be with my little family in Wisconsin, so, and I'm not going to be able to be with my mom and then my other, the rest of my family, but it's just feels that for me, that's the best thing to do. I can't, I don't have any control over what anybody else does, but please remember that Thanksgiving has brought a big surge to the country. And we're already overwhelming our medical workers and our care caregivers. They're just overworked. And uh, we, ha we need to be careful for them. If not for ourselves, we need to remember the people who, who are out there giving their, giving their lives to take care of us. The very least we can do is to take care of ourselves uh, as much as we can. And that means making hard decisions. So be at peace and be well and find joy, arouse that, celebrate the smallest things. It really makes a difference. But may, maybe you have to do it in a different way. It doesn't mean being with a bunch of people. You might, they, who might somebody's going to be there who might be not showing any signs. Be careful. Thank you so much. I'll see you tomorrow. We'll meditate tomorrow, I promise.